Today's date is April 2nd, 2018. Hello and welcome to another episode of Hit the Books Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Holcomb. And I'm Emery Saunders. And we're here to give you all the saucy deets on everything comics this week. For those of you unfamiliar with the show, this is your weekly comic book podcast where Emery and I, and perhaps a guest, go through the latest news, the new comic book releases for your local comic book shops. Please support your local comic book shops. And discuss some topics about the world of comics for your amusement. If that sounds like a good time, be sure to hit like and subscribe on our YouTube channel and rate well elsewhere. It really does help us out. Uh, you can always find us on YouTube, Stitcher, and on iTunes. And be sure to check out our website, www.htbvids.com, where you can find links to all of these things, as well as plenty of written content and lists on the homepage. Emery, what have you been reading? Uh, a funny story. Um, I actually did not get to do any reading this week. Me neither. Oh, man. And let me reassure you, fans, that's okay. <laughs> you can go a week and not read some comics sometimes. Right. Uh, in our case, it's more of a financial thing this week. <laughs> of course. Otherwise, definitely would have gotten the, at, at the very least, uh, Ghost Rider, Johnny Blaze, number one, the Damnation. Damnation. Yeah. Yes. The Damnation tie-in, of course. Oh, I, uh, I hope it's still out there. I probably would have grabbed the, the, the Doomsday Clock issue, but yeah. We can always pick it up later. Oh, yeah. Uh, and talk about it next week. Um, outside forces, outside of our control, just... Yeah, finances, Easter, you know, that whole th thing. It just... Sometimes it happens, you know? But I have done one thing. What is that? In my spare time, I managed to uh, marathon the Amazon version of The Tick. <laughs> and watch the complete series. <laughs> man, oh man, that series is so good. Right? That it, Tick doesn't deserve to have a series that good. <laughs> it is so damn good. It's not only is it funny and humorous like you would expect. Yeah. But it's actually well made and like kind of heartwarming. <laughs> and it's literally better than it has any right to be. And it's it is a better caricature of you know main company comic books than anything else i've seen including the original tick comic book uh yeah it is so oh my God. good if you have not watched the amazon prime tick show you need to be watching that show do it even if you're not a comic book person and you just like want to see comic books be kind of made fun of while still like having a good like heartwarming story you gotta watch it it oh, is so yeah. good. And if you have Amazon Prime, it's completely free on there, you know? Yes. So Fringe benefit. You get to, for free, because of that one time you wanted something to come to you quickly by through Amazon, uh, you get to watch something awesome. Yeah. Like The Tick. Really awesome. Which is something I never thought I'd say. And if, you know, I, I like the old, like, Fox one that was kind of, like, over the top and goofy with Batman well and, uh, you know, everybody. Uh, my favorite mayor of Gotham. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it was an acquired taste, to say the least. Like, it, yes. You had yes, to be really in the mood for that type of humor and that like, type of show. Really, yeah. really in the mood of, like... 14 to 16 year old yeah you had to have that like really over the top sense of humor like almost monty python monty python-esque yeah you know, that sort of humor 
Um, but this pa- new Patrick one, Patrick Warburton definitely laid it on thick. Yeah, I think the new one is just fantastic, and it's probably my favorite thing to come <laughs> out of like the streaming services recently. Uh, it's just, I understand yeah. it's a little old now. It's like a year old or something, but <laughs> it's great. Oh, uh, it's actually not that old at all. The the last, uh, the back half of the episodes came out uh, February. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's worth it. Yes. <laughs> yes. If you are not watching this show, you need to watch this show. And just like overkill is great, <laughs> like the whole dynamic with <laughs> where everything's overly complicated and just like overkill you know, is tragic. like super grimdark. Yeah, that he's got <laughs> danger boat. He <laughs> 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 just like listens to EDM music about himself all day. <laughs> <laughs> danger boat. Danger boat. <laughs> so good. <laughs> this show is so great. I can't express to you if you want oh something God, that's yeah. lighthearted. But still a little heavy. Yeah. Like, as in terms of depth, you need to watch this show. It is so damn good. I can it, Jackie Earl Haley, the guy who plays the terror. <laughs> I think this is the best thing he's done since Rorschach. I love the whole whiplash thing they were doing <laughs> in the middle of the episodes. Oh my god, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, yes of all the things yeah. for him to do is like a this is how we further add depth to this character. It is like, no, I need to be good at drums. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. What? <laughs> I I really want to oh do like a full like in-depth review and discussion with you if we we have the time oh my god so look forward to that fans yes that's (laughs) something worth sticking around for i'll probably type up a little review and put it on the website but man is it good i was so thrilled with that show (laughs) didn't read any comics because i was broke but i already had the prime membership for my student membership or whatever and i was like why not Let's dive in. I got nothing better to do right now right i mean it's already here just waiting for you to watch it Lo and behold, it's it's your new favorite thing. <laughs> it really is great. I can't I can't recommend it enough. Amazon did a great job with that show. I haven't been as big a fan with the uh, other Amazon shows. Like I watched like one or two episodes of the Mr. Robot show and the uh, the one about the future Nazis or whatever. I can't remember. Oh, Man in the High Castle. Man in the High Castle. Yeah. Um, I just they. They were just, I don't know, a little too over the top. Maybe I just wasn't in the right mood for them. I don't know. Uh, I would say uh, pass on those and skip straight over to Philip K. Dick's Electric Dreams. Electric Dreams. What's that about? Uh, This is actually a series of standalone episodes. Like Each one of them contained in their own universe for telling their each episode is a singular story. And it all of the it's kind of like black mirror where there's a an idea or a concept having to do with a certain piece of technology and what it would be like for it to just get way out of hand so it's like a a sci-fi exclusive like twilight zone black mirror type thing yes okay Uh, i'm totally down then oh yeah (laughs) yeah i love both black mirror and i i i watch twilight zone every new year's 
like because <laughs> sci-fi does the marathon or whatever and even if i don't have cable or something at the time i find a way to watch it I just, <laughs> it's just a great tradition uh yeah to further sell that show i literally just the other day got done watching an episode where the idea uh takes place in a post-nuclear war-esque apocalypse where this last batch of humans that are trying to desperately survive Mm. are having to deal with a manufacturing company that just can't stop sending its drones to wherever products need to be sent. (laughs) I think there might be... a. A little Amazon uh, in there. Uh, it might be a little bit of Amazon in there. <laughs> <laughs> and that show was on Amazon Prime. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Scathing. <laughs> so, yeah, hey, I'm, the, I'll probably check that out. It's cool. Yeah. <clears throat> right now, the only subscription service I have, again, because of financial issues, is uh, the Amazon Prime, which is just lingering. <laughs> you know, so I already paid for it. Oh, uh, y- yeah. Uh, use it. The Got a lot of lot of gems in there. <laughs> well, this is usually where we have our latest segment. Did the content match the drapes? Where we evaluate whether a cover or variant cover of the week award winner uh, had content as good on the inside as the outside. Unfortunately, um, we didn't read any comics this week, so no new updates for you. Not yet. We'll give you some next week for yes. sure. Uh, with that, let's get into the news. Ooh. Just in time for Easter, a dedicated fan found a previously undiscovered Easter egg in the 2014 Guardians of the Galaxy movie. During the Stan Lee cameo, there is a scroll script that hovers over him. The phrase translates to Excelsior. (laughs) Oh, God damn it. (laughs) Director James Gunn confirmed the Easter egg, but proclaimed fans have still not found the biggest one. So, if you like watching Guardians of the Galaxy... You might want to get to it. There's a, more Easter eggs that have not been discovered. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and that brings up the biggest question. Is Stanley a scroll? I mean, has he ever not been a scroll? <laughs> I mean, I think there's only one reason why we still have Stan Lee is that it's not actually Stan Lee, but an alien just took his place. (laughs) (laughs) That would explain why he's everywhere, right? Yeah. I think. The goal was probably to originally take us over, but then he saw, ah, these movies are cool. I want more. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's canon. It's canon. It's canon. (laughs) Next up, the Fantastic Four. (gasps) We'll be returning oh, with a monthly series via Marvel's upcoming Fresh Start. It is expected to debut in August and will be written by Dan Slott and drawn by Sarah Piccioli. Oh, no. Uh-oh. <laughs> what are your fears? Uh, I was excited. Isn't this what you wanted? Right up until you told me Dan Slott was writing it. Not a fan of Dan Slott? Superior Elaborate. Spider-Man and shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> I ooh, oh my god! I I don't think I've ever been more mad at the concept of an entire story arc. 
than now, reading about Spider-Man being possessed by Otto Octavius. Now, it's funny you say that, because I know a lot of people that are primarily DC people that actually like that book a lot. But, to be fair, I haven't talked to a lot of Marvel fans about it. <laughs> so... <laughs> Let's take a hero... Put a villain's brain in his mind. Not physically, just spiritually. Spiritually. Uh, right. No, we're going to go spiritual with this shit. We're going <laughs> to take the soul of fucking Octo Never a Dad and put him in uh, the premier hero for all of Marvel. And Why do you want to step on his creativity? Okay, Emery, you got to let him spread his wings and fly, okay? Why do you want a book <laughs> where uh, instead of trying to maybe teach Otto Octavius a lesson about what it means to be a hero and instead have a book where we slowly watch Otto Octavius descend into power-drunk madness at the realization that... Oh my God! I'm Spider-Man. Doesn't he murder a lot of people too? Uh, he, yes. I feel like he murders quite a few villains I'm, I'm, or potential villains. I'm pretty sure he goes on a what everyone else who doesn't know that he's possessed would call a justified murder spree, <laughs> <laughs> while also gathering henchmen and bots. The biggest question: How did no one see this? Biggest question here. <laughs> Does he fuck Mary Jane? <laughs> no. No, he doesn't. He finds a very diminutive replacement. Oh, no. <laughs> Who? I don't know her name, but it's a midget. <laughs> what? <laughs> what the fuck? Nothing against dating... So he's, he's got dating, a fetish. Okay. Uh, nothing against dating small people, but... For reasons that are never explained other than the, oh, yeah, I want to take this other science girl home. Oh, what? You didn't think that it was okay or, like, a thing that I would do to just date someone who's, like, three foot six? Oh, aren't you a bigot? <laughs> <laughs> what? Why? I just feel did, bad for Peter. Why did this conversation happen between uh, Peter possessed by Otto and his Aunt May? Okay, maybe you're convincing me. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds horrible. That sounds terrible. But to there's be fair. There's literally a joke about the the concept of that being terrible that was slyly snuck into the latest Spider-Man movie. Do oh. you remember the part where he's talking to the suit and it goes into like lethal mode and the, the eye, eyes, the eyes goes yeah. like, no, no. Why would I ever want to do that? <laughs> Who would want that? <laughs> right. No wow. one. I didn't realize it was so <laughs> controversial. <laughs> God, that sounds horrible. <sighs> Don't worry though. You have the terrifics on DC side. Yay. <laughs> Don't deny the terrifics. They're <laughs> terrific. Right. 
terrifically <laughs> plagiarized. Look, don't get me wrong. I like the Fantastic Four, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to like off-brand Fantastic Four just as much. <laughs> <laughs> Next up. After being viewed, the lock and key pilot has seen its second setback. Hulu has decided to drop the series. The pilot is currently being shopped to other networks. This follows, of course, in 2011-2012, where Lock and Key got reviewed for a show uh, series on Fox, and Fox also declined. Aww. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> I, if you are not familiar with the Lock and Key series, it's on Comixology Unlimited. So if you have that, it's really cheap subscription service, and you, it just gives you a bunch of random like back volumes and stuff, like kind of like a Netflix for comic books. Don't yeah. give you the brand brand new stuff, but they give you a lot of really good stuff. Yeah, um, for really cheap. But um, that's how I got into the Lock and Key series, and man, did I fall in love with that book! It is so good. It is so fun, and uh, I would pitch that book to anybody. Even if you're not like the biggest comic book fan, there's no like prior sustained universe you got to catch up with or anything. It's just straight in, isolated story within the books. But the premise, the premise situates itself perfectly for like a long series, like a season, two season, three season series. And right, uh, give me your elevator pitch. All right, basically, these kids experience a very traumatic incident i don't want to spoil it because it's a big like integral part of the first issue but they go through this big traumatic experience you know there's two older teenagers and then there's a young kid and in a way to try to get away from all that incident that you know the horrific memories of what happened and everything um the mom and the kids pick up and they go to their father's childhood home, which is this big, like crazy mansion up in hmm. like New England or whatever. And they're staying there uh, at the request of the father's brother, I believe. So their uncle and right. the uncle lives a little ways away um, with his husband. And then he makes the trip back and forth from time to time to check in on him, make sure everything's okay. And again, they're, they're still all trying to go through the, the motions of this traumatic incident. And the only one that's not seemingly affected is the youngest one, who's a little kid, you know? Right. Um, but everybody else is kind of dealing with it in their own way. So basically, while they're going through the motions and trying to figure out this experience, they slowly but surely start to realize that there's something weird about this place, about this house, and there's... There are things, <laughs> there are objects uh -huh. hidden and scattered throughout this house that have particular abilities. Interesting. And the first, I mean, it's in the title, key. Uh, yeah. The first one you really see that, I'm trying to remember because it's been a little bit since I've read it, but the first one you really see is called the death door. And basically, if you put it into a specific door, and turn the key, it opens a portal into what is essentially the afterlife. The so, land of the dead. So the little kid finds it first, you know, discovers it and is playing around with it or whatever and puts it in the door and, like, walks through, and suddenly he's dead. 
Ah! And his <laughs> dead, unconscious body is just on the floor, and his spirit is wandering around. And so he uses it to like comically spy on his his sister and his brother and his mom, and like. <laughs> mess around with people and like go explore things and basically if you think of a place it'll t- you'll just show up there as as yeah. a ghost basically and so this becomes partially shenanigans but also progresses the story in a natural way and it's just the artwork's really great um the storytelling is really great the visual effects of the house and like all the different keys and stuff is really great yeah um the antagonistic character is actually pretty creepy and pretty you know discerning uh and there's even some connections to like their father's childhood so like while they're going through this whole circumstance they're also kind of learning more about their father who they didn't really get to know too well because he was always working or whatever else yeah and kind of the adults that used to be in his life so like it's also kind of heartwarming in a way because they're kind of learning about their father but in another way they're also kind of having their own unique adventure and experience and learning about the situation and the antagonist which you know has connections to events in their life so it's really it's really pretty neat and i i would highly highly recommend this book lock and key from idw i believe um just it's an outstanding book and i would happily reread it and reread it again i i could see that as a television show or maybe even uh take that first chunk and turn it into a movie yeah i i think it would do well as a movie but i think it'd be really hard to sell like as big as it should be yeah because i think it's one of those niche things that people don't know about it because it was just an idw book and right it was an isolated story not some big universe building thing right and it doesn't kind of have the holiday gravity of like walking dead did with halloween where it's like yeah. the perfect moment in time where people were crazy about the zombie thing and like it just blew up because everything was in place yeah, I don't. I don't think that there's really an optimal situation for lock and key to have that kind of experience. Yeah, um, I, I think it would be the kind of thing that would need to find its audience in a streaming app or something like that. Yeah, I thought. Uh, I thought the match with Hulu was perfect. I was like, that's a great match, and that, that literally could have been you know. their Stranger Things. Yeah, and it, to be honest, I kind of see it as kind of like. Um, it gives a lot of the feelings reading the book of like I did when I read the original Hobbit. Yeah. Um, you know, which preceded Lord of the Rings. Um, the original Hobbit book gave me a lot of those kind of like adventure and thrill and danger and like dark stories, but like in a context that's very easily palatable, you yeah. know, and not too heavy. It's kind of like that. And I, it's, I really enjoyed it. Ooh. Uh, okay. If it's <clears throat> like gives you the same kind of feeling that the hobbit gives you then uh uh, yeah consider me sold yeah it's really good so look out for that really bummed that it didn't get picked up but maybe the quality just wasn't there and you know if that's the case i wouldn't want it to be made that way anyway oh yeah that that's that that's the one thing that can kill something is if the pilot is any kind of poor next up mark millar has announced he will not be working for marvel or dc going forward yeah, he's one of a few very famous creators that have done that. I think Alan Moore is the other big one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Alan Moore will never again. He has dedicated himself to expanding the Miller World series and developing his titles for Netflix. As you know, he 
signed a big deal for the Miller World. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Uh, I say good riddance. <laughs> and solely on the basis of the latest kick-ass title, it's like, it's awful. <laughs> Hit Girl... Hit Girl's good. Hit Girl's good. To be fair. Somehow, like, the, the seminal title, like, the, the thing that he is most known for, like, him specifically, he is most known for kick-ass. Yeah. For him to go this route most recently is just... And for those of you yeah. unfamiliar, Mark Millar is the guy who's famous for creating the Kick-Ass series, the Kingsman series, um, the S- Superior, right? Yes. Um, uh, Nemesis. Nemesis. There's one other one I'm forgetting. What's the big one? Did he do Wanted? I think so. I, I think, think that might have been right. him, yeah. Yeah. But he's done a lot of like really, really big series that are real famous and pretty much all have been either option for movies or made into movies yeah um and obviously you're probably going to see more of that with the netflix uh subscription so he's done a lot of great work i don't want to discourage you know mark millar but just his latest iterations and his <laughs> latest you know kind of ideas it's just yeah. a, little, a little too grant morrison-y to yeah, me skewing and, uh, a bit too hard into the weird or just straight up nonsensical yeah so which to be fair is kind of his cup of tea but you know Makes sense. Uh, Next up, the CW has announced a renewal of all of its superhero shows except for iZombie, which will be considered in May. This confirms that Constantine will be a series regular on the show DC's Legends of Tomorrow. Hashtag save Constantine. Hashtag save Constantine. We're so close. Every day we grow closer. We have an animated series. Closer. We have a guest Starring appearance on now the next season of it, Legends of Tomorrow. And he's going to be a regular. We just need his own series. It's so close. Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan. Get on it. Yeah, get, keep grinding, bro. Uh, we got sh- you. <laughs> the shows included are The Flash, Arrow, Supergirl, uh, Legends of Tomorrow, Riverdale, which is the Archie adaptation, and Black Lightning. So... All those shows doing pretty well still, well enough to get renewed. And to be fair, they pretty much the only thing that hold up the CW. So, at this point, yes. Also, I, I can't say it enough. Hashtag save Constantine. True story. NBC just needs to let go. Just yeah, let CW take over. Just let it happen. And just make the show. It would easily be the best show on CW. Right. In my opinion. It, and I know the perfect slot for it too. Right. right after one of the big ones. <laughs> <laughs> um, next up, more delays have hit 20th Century Fox movie titles. To the surprise of no one. X-Men The Dark Phoenix has been moved from November 2nd, which is also another delay, <laughs> uh, 2018, to February 14th, 2019. You know, you guys could cancel it. (laughs) That's what I've been saying. (laughs) New Mutants has been moved six more months from February 22nd, 2019 to August 2nd, 2019. Six months more. (laughs) They just delayed it almost a year. (laughs) It is now 16 months later than the original release date. This is the kind of thing that makes me think, uh, 
maybe this story made no sense at first. Uh, I'm thinking maybe there's more to this uh, reshoot thing than we're being told. Yeah, probably. And I think maybe execs are getting a little too big for their britches. Uh, maybe. Uh, maybe let's just uh, call it quits. Uh, no. Let, let's make uh, Deadpool <laughs> 2 the last one. Go out with a bang. The Gambit movie is still being stymied by a lack of director. <laughs> that movie's not happening. Oh, my God. Just call me. Uh, For the love of God, just call <laughs> me. I know exactly what that movie needs. Ugh. Large reshoots and casting schedules were the primary sources of blame. This is reportedly causing creative strife and clashing between the Fox executives and director Josh Boone. So, originally, the original announcement of delays um, came from a very large approval of the kind of horror-centric trailer they had for the original New Mutants trailer. Yeah. Um, And then Fox apparently said that they wanted to make it more horror-oriented as opposed to what it had originally been. Yeah, to lean further into that tone that they had established. However, I'm starting to doubt this a lot because recent reports have been saying that the real reason for the reshoots is because they wanted to add one more character to the main cast and not as just like a cameo role, but as a starring role. And that character has a heavy connection to the X-Men Dark Phoenix movie, which they're trying to shove down our fucking throats and nobody fucking wants. I wonder what fucking character it is. And they're trying to basically shove all of this shit into a movie that has already been made and produced and was already set to release. (laughs) And now the director is scrambling to get this shit done with actors and actresses that are already scheduled for other projects, a.k.a. Justice League, (laughs) a.k.a. (laughs) Cavill mustache problems. (laughs) Oh, no. And not only is all that happening, but they're still going through the approval process for the fucking Disney buyout. What are you doing? Um, uh, I know... Or I have a suspicion as to who exactly they're trying to add to all of these Fox titles. Please enlighten our audience. I think it's Mr. Sinister. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's Mr. Sinister specifically because of all of the characters that would have any kind of connection to all of them and kind of tie in to a kind of science slash pseudoscience theme that they were pushing for new mutants. Yeah. He would be the one. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think I think it's, A, it's a terrible mistake because nobody wants this Dark Phoenix movie. Please quit trying to insert shit into other movies that could potentially be great. Uh, yes. And that we want. Yeah. In order to service this fucking auxiliary movie, we do not want. Right. We d- we know about the buyout. We don't want any more X-Men shit <laughs> until it's in the Marvel Universe. Right. Fox can fuck off. <laughs> they, All right? It, it, stop. You have Deadpool. <laughs> you have the New Mutants. We're giving you that. You're supposed to have Gambit, but you're being dicks about it. Uh, just, d- yes. Just 
let it go. Just, just why don't we just all wait until they're in the house where they belong? It's like we've already gotten the Phoenix storyline in your universe. We've already gotten it. We don't need it again. Th- this would be a third attempt at trying to actually nail down trying to have a movie with that fucking firebird in it. Please stop. And uh, <laughs> No one cares about the sentient alien firebird. Uh, actually, uh, yeah, about that. In which movie do we establish that it's either alien or sentient? Neither fucking one. That's what. <laughs> and it, Please stop. Please stop. If, if you guys want to go into space, I've been, wait till you're a part of the actual Marvel fucking universe. I've been saying this. About the DCEU quite heavily. Because it's deserved. Please stop. (laughs) Fox, I'm sorry, but you've gotten to this point. Yes. Please stop. Just give it a break. Let it rest. There's nothing coming out next year. Just give it a rest. Give everybody a breather to clear their palate before you get bought out by Disney. And then shoot. Go with your Fantastic Four and your X-Men and all your other bullshit you want to add. Deadpool is more than enough to tide you over. New Mutants and all your little TV shows like Legion and whatever else, Runaways. <sighs> like, uh, uh, oh, that's Runaways Marvel. is with Marvel. That's Marvel. Thank God. But <laughs> <laughs> just, just handle what business you got going right now until Disney buys you out and then they can do what they need to do. Right. Stop. Yeah. I do not need another season of The Gifted. I do not need... Well, okay, I don't need it, but I do want another season of Legion. I would just prefer it being done by Marvel. Please. With that said, the first season of Legion is actually better than it has any right to be. <laughs> so, uh, if you were looking forward to those movies, and uh, we were looking forward to New Mutants. Yeah. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Next up. Uh, more like sorry, not sorry. <laughs> it's the weekly delay time segment of the news. Are we just going to make this a segment? Yeah, because comic <laughs> companies just can't stop delaying shit. Oh, God. Okay. All right. First up, Catalyst Prime Noble number 10 from Lion Forge Comics has been canceled. Ooh. So that kind of sucks. Uh, next up, the finale of Astro City, which is number 52, has been delayed by DC Comics. It is now set to premiere a month later on May 16th of this year. Ouch. I hate these delays. Like, one or two weeks, you can kind of get over. When it's like a month, you just yeah. completely forget about the fucking book. <laughs> and <laughs> it just, just kills the book. Move on to something else in your life. And finally, this one breaks my heart, but we already knew it was coming. The Wild Storm number 13 has been delayed an additional month. It will now premiere on May 16th, 2017. Oh. Grifter. It burns. Grifter. Grifter. No. (laughs) But yeah, it's a great book. Unfortunately, they're not giving it any leg to stand on with all of these delays. And that, my friends, is the news. What's that? We have a call. A call from a local comic book shop. (gasps) I think they're asking, what books are we hitting up this week? Well, Emery, I thought you'd never ask. (laughs) From Marvel Comics, we have Honey Badger. 
No! I mean, all new Wolverine number 33 featuring Honey Badger. No! Fucking stupid. Please stop. Uh, next up, we have Ant-Man and the Wasp prelude number two. Because Correct. we need people to watch that movie. <laughs> we have Astonishing X-Men number 10. We have Avengers number 687 with a pretty neat cover. We have doo -doo 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 -doo. Avengers, The Shards of Infinity, number one. I don't know if that's a movie tie-in or not, but it kind of looks like one. Not really sure. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? We have Black Bolt, number 12, which I believe is the final issue of that run. So if you're a Black Bolt fan, you might want to pick that up. Also, we if you're a Black Bolt fan, what the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we have Iron Fist, number 79. We have Marvel 2-in-1s, featuring half of the Fantastic Four, number 5. Ooh. Oh, that's right. The two will become four soon. <laughs> well, in August. <laughs> Still quite a wait there. And it's soon. <laughs> we have Rise of the Black Panther, number 4. We have Rogue and Gambit, switch outfits, number 4. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> I wonder if he's wearing her underwear. I bet he is. I hate you for asking that question. <laughs> <laughs> that dirty creel. <laughs> Next up, we have Runaways, number eight. We have Spider-Man, number 239. We have Star Wars, number 46. We have The Amazing Spider-Man, number 798. We have... The New Mutants, Dead Souls, number two. We have The Punisher, number 223. We have Venom, number 164. We have Venomized, number one. We have X-Men Gold, number 25. And that wraps up Marvel. From DC Comics, it's finally the wedding week. So if you give a shit... Pick up these issues. <laughs> yeah, about that. We have Batman number 44 with the wedding Bruce and the wedding Catwoman as the variant. Here comes the bride, all dressed in salt and stolen stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I like how our wedding dress is black. <laughs> um, uh, did you expect anything else? Well, leather. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. Uh, next up, big release, Batman White Knight, number seven. Get hyped. Oh, we're so close to the end, and I don't want it to end. Oh, right? Oh. Why is it only eight issues? <laughs> oh. Well, let me get four more. So good. <laughs> uh, next up, we have Black Lightning, Cold Dead Hands, number six. We have Bombshells United, number 15. We have Curse of the Brimstone, number one, part of the new age of DC heroes, which is looking like a Ghost Rider ripoff. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever gave you that impression? Oh, just the Fantastic Four ripoff and the Spider-Man slash Nightcrawler ripoff and the Hulk ripoff oh, that we've yeah. gotten so far. Oh, you have something against a person from a uh, podunk town making a deal with totally not the devil? And getting fire demon powers? Hmm? You're right. I don't have a problem with it. 
Next up, we have Cyborg, number 21. We have Deathstroke versus Batman. Number 30. <laughs> That's what it should be called. We have Exit Stage Left, The Snagglepuss Chronicles, number four. Ooh. The variant featuring a long-necked ascot. How fancy. Ooh, Snagglepuss. We have Green Arrow, number 39. We have Green Lanterns, number 44. We have Harley Quinn, number 41. We have Injustice 2, number 23. We have Justice League, number 42. We have Nightwing, number 42. We have Spider-Man, number 44. Wait a minute. (laughs) Excuse me. Did I say Spider-Man? I think you said Spider-Man. I meant Superman. How dare I? Thank you. How dare you? Thank you. Number 44. Uh, And we have The Jetsons, number six. Wait, what? Don't you hate on the Jetsons? I, I just, I didn't know. How long have they been doing the Jetsons? Six issues. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> they were doing Scooby-Doo, so they decided to do the Jetsons, too. I, I, I guess we're just going to do all Hanna-Barbera, I, <laughs> I guess. Next up, we have Agent 47, Birth of the Hitman, number five. Oh, buddy. Almost guaranteed to be better than the movies. <laughs> we have Deja Thoris, number three, if you want boobs. Or if you're a fan of the uh, John Carter, Princess of Mars, that whole deal. We have Green Hornet, number two, which y- I think you were su- pleasantly surprised with on issue number one, right? Yes. <laughs> yes, it was. And yeah, I'm going to check issue two out. Sweet. We have Killer Instinct, number six, based on the video game. We have Red Sonia, number 14, with six million boobs as variants. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> she has six million boobs? She does now. Oh, my God. Uh, next up, we have Swashbucklers. The saga continues, number one. And that wraps up Dynamite. From Image Comics. Save us, Image. We have Analog, number one. We have Black Cloud, number eight. We have Elsewhere, number six. We have Gideon Falls, number one. We have God Complex, number five. We have I Hate Fairyland, number 18. We have Isola, number one, which has a pretty pretty awesome variant cover, by the way. Very, uh... Looks pretty awesome. Fantasy, adventure almost saga-like. Next up, we have Motor Crush, number 11. We have Ringside, number 15. We have Scales and Scoundrels, number 8. We have Sex Criminals, number 23. We have Snot Girl, number 10. We have Spawn, number 284. So metal. We have The Walking Dead, number 178. And we have The Wicked and the Divine, number 35. For those of you who want to get weird. In a good way. Oh, yeah, of course, in a good way. From IDW Publishing, we have Huge Jacked Man. (laughs) I mean, Demigod, number one. Starring Huge Jacked Man. (laughs) We have, um, let's see here. So many variants. We have the new premiere of IDW's Sonic the Hedgehog, which... Gained the rights to Sonic not too long ago. 
Hooray. Number one. <laughs> I might pick it up. I like Sonic. And that wraps up IDW. From Boom Studios, we have Giant Days, number 37. We have Mech Cadet U, number eight. <coughs> we have Rugrats. R is for Reptar, number 28, or excuse me, 2018 special, number one. Interesting. We have WWE WrestleMania 2018 special, number one, brother. Get hyped. Next up, from Dark Horse Comics, we have Dr. Star and the Kingdom of Lost Tomorrows, number two. Interesting. We have another cool release here, Incognito Renaissance, number three. Really great Ooh. noir storyline about a character who's very light-skinned but black and works for the local black paper in um, uh, what's, not, not Manhattan, northern Manhattan. Harlem. Manhattan. Harlem, thank you. Yeah. I live there, and I can't remember what it's called. <laughs> um <laughs> But it's like a cool noir murder mystery thing, and he since he's light-skinned with a hat, he can kind of blend in with both groups, and so he just kind of gets all the intel, and <clears throat> hence the phrase, incognito. But yeah, it's a great book. Pick it up. Pick uh, it up. We have Kosche, The Deathless, number four, and we have Xerxes, Fall of the House of Darius, number one. From Vertigo, we have Astro City, number 51. Remember, Astro City, number 52, has been delayed a month, so you won't see that one till May. And then we have Shade, <coughs> the Changing Woman, number two, which I believe is part of the uh, uh, the animals line. Mm-hmm. From Titan Books, we have Fighting American, the Ties That Bind, number two. America. <laughs> you know what comes next. <laughs> yeah, you do. And that is all of your comic book releases coming to your local comic book shops. Again, please support your local comic book shops. And digital devices this week. Now it's time to hand out the prestigious, nay life-changing award of cover and variant cover of the week. Who will win it this week? Ooh. First up, the lauded and beloved Cover of the Week Award goes to Iron Fist number 79 from Marvel Comics. This cover illustrated by Jeff DeCal. Or Deacle. Deacle? Like Deacle? De- like Deacle Matter? No. No. <laughs> no. D E K A L. Hopefully. I'm going with the call. It sounds cooler. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Jeff, if you're listening, you should too. <laughs> <laughs> Much cooler than Deacon. Yes, please. Uh, but uh, getting yeah. to the cover. <laughs> uh, Iron Fist has had some pretty awesome covers yes. every month that I've seen it. And I just want to give that premise a shout out from the beginning. There have been some really great covers from this book. For whatever reason, every time it releases, there's something a little bit better, and it just gets edged out by something else. But uh, assuming Jeff DeCall has been doing all of these these covers, he's done a great job. And I think this one 
is just another example of great work. And I wouldn't even say it's the best of the kind of Iron Fist covers that have been coming out, but I think this one is really solid. And it gets the added benefit of being a tie-in to a series we're really enjoying. Oh, Dan- yeah. Doctor Strange Damnation. So um, if you look at the cover, it's just a kind of first-person point of view of Iron Fist charging in uh, to some, what I'm guessing is some kind of demon demon of some sort, if not Yeah, it know, looks Mephisto like he's himself. about to go 12 rounds with, uh, you know, the Dark Lord. Yeah, there's some red spiny fists, you know, that are about to probably fuck him up. Because, <laughs> <laughs> let's face it, Iron Fist kind of sucks. <laughs> and uh, what we really need is a Blade. Uh, yes. A Blade book featuring this art. More Blade, please. But, um... <laughs> Yeah, this 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 cover art looks awesome. It's it's just kind of that like very scenic, almost like Alex Ross kind of yeah. aesthetic, where it's just that kind of painted, heavily detailed uh, action shot. Um, and I I just love everything about it. I mean, even even down below the legs, you can kind of see like other demons like cackling or whatever, and probably betting because again they're in Las Vegas, <laughs> <laughs> and there's just blood everywhere where they've been fighting these kind of UFC matches. I'm guessing. Um, yeah it, it just oh my god there, there's just something about the way that the cover it just it pops specifically when like one you take that first person view but also like all of the things surrounding it like you were mentioning like uh like you can tell very like sometimes uh there are details that are easily missed uh in this case, the one that was almost easily missed were the the points on the the red hands, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> but also the the details like right behind him. It looks like, as you were saying, people are cheering yeah. or like going like boo or whatever. Yeah, it's jeering like, at him. Yeah, <laughs> and like the way that that ties into the fact that this is taking place in Las Vegas. Yeah, it's just like it just adds that extra element of. He's about to have the fight of his life. Yeah, and I also really like that it's an action shot. It's yeah. Like, usually when you get an action shot, it's usually from some very basic, like, just run-of-the-mill, you know, some, cover. Something that should have just been a panel in yeah, the comic. Yeah, and they put some big words over top of it, like, Batman's in trouble now! And then you're like, okay, we're not in the 50s anymore. Please stop <laughs> doing this. But this is right. not not only is it a really cool action shot, but it's a very well detailed and very pristine piece of art um, in the form of an action shot. And I, like even the small stuff like uh, painting on the kind of Ryu from Street Fighter, <laughs> like headband tassels just dangling way out there. You know, no martial artist would have that. Someone would grab the back of that and just pound your fucking face. But for the dramatic, you know, action shot, it's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, it looks dynamic. It looks amazing. Yeah. So even though traditionally i think iron fist kind of sucks <laughs> as a character and i think his outfit is like i think his outfit is just kind of stupid <laughs> we could have just had shang chi <laughs> like that is a character in marvel comics that is just as good and doesn't need chi powers so yeah i don't like his silly green jumpsuit and the high yellow collars I mean, the headband would be fine if that was the only part that was, like, bright yellow. But he's got, like, the dishwashing gloves. And, like, 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, honestly, I I was a fan of like his original costume that had the uh, the popped collar popped all the way up to heaven. If you're watching the YouTube channel, we'll post it here for you. And you know the the gloves and the little uh, foot sleeves that he was apparently rocking at that point. Uh, slippers. That's what those are called. How about a tight leather black flight suit? Don't you for everybody? Don't you fucking dare remind me of X Men Apocalypse. God damn it! <laughs> but yes, big congratulations to Jeff Decall. Your artwork has been consistently great, and this week you finally earned the coveted award. Of cover Ooh. of the week. Next up for the variant cover of the week. Ooh, and the award goes to Huge Jacked Man. Ooh, another Huge Jacked Man. In the form of Spawn, number 284, Matina Virgin cover. Uh, this oh, one done so by metal. Francesco Matina, who has done a very, very almost 90s esque, <laughs> <laughs> um, ridiculously jacked and menacing version of Spawn. And to be honest, it kind of looks like a Hulk wearing a <laughs> Spawn costume. Hey, it kind of does. Uh, but it's really well done. And the shading is great. The art is great. The paint looks great. Um, the, the levels and the depth and the shading, just it all looks great. And I, as much as I want to hate on it for being the huge jacked like 90s <laughs> version of Spawn, <laughs> it looks so good. I can't. Yeah, I have always loved what the Spawn comics have done with the color green. There's just something about... Which is more than anybody else. Uh, yes. Including Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this has been a series that has always had this love affair with the color green in such a way that it seems like they... It's just like it's seeping. It's pouring out of him. It's just like it's just straight demonic power. Just like it's like he can't contain himself. Yeah, it's just that element to it. It's just like it, the minute that they that I saw that on the cover was like, oh yes, someone gets it. And in the description, the recreation of Spawn's arch villain. The Violator. Oh, God. With a new look and new powers. <sighs> okay. Uh, Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh, God. Uh-oh. Uh, can we just n not make him like someone who whispers John Leguizamo voice? Because <laughs> because of the 1997 movie, the movie that had a black superhero in it that for some reason gets overlooked because of Blade. And for good reason, because Blade was awesome. And Steel. <laughs> hey, Superman. That was my ass taste. <laughs> God damn it, no. I thought we weren't going to talk about him. <laughs> I always find a way. I love Shaq. Never change, Shaq. Yeah, you will always be my favorite Irish actor. <laughs> <laughs> With that said, Spawn! <laughs> Spawn!
Spawn was so hardcore, and it's like I'm pretty sure Spawn is Spawn and Green Lantern to a slightly lesser extent are the reason why green is one of my favorite colors. Hmm, interesting. So not only did you get a great variant cover of the week, you got a nice little backstory into Emery's childhood. Oh yeah, yeah. I love the color of green, and it is not. Because it's the color of money. <laughs> <laughs> but Those yeah. two things are unrelated. Francesco, Matina, you have done great work, um, and it is well-deserved. Oh, yes. In winning the Variant Cover of the Week Award this week, and same to Iron Fist number 79 for the regular Cover of the Week Award by Jeff DeCall. Not Deacal. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm dedicated to saying it's not Deacal. <laughs> no one likes Deacal matter. Oh, my God. I'm going to keep making that joke. It though. keeps happening. It's so fun. <laughs> and for our new friends out there, this is the part of the show where we each discuss a topic of our choosing about the world of comics. Emery, what? You know what? I'm going to skip you this time. You're going to skip me? Yeah, I'm going to skip okay. you. Okay. We can, we can come back to you. I'm going to do something really rude because I can. <laughs> <laughs> Change of pace. We had a uh, fan... Right into us, as all of you can, if you so choose. Ah. Remember, you can contact us on Twitter, at HTBVids. You can contact us on Facebook, at facebook.com, forward slash hitthebooks, all one word. Or you can email us at hitthebooksvids, V-I-D-S, at gmail.com. All of these options are available to you. Feel free to contact us for anything like questions you want to pitch for the show, um, things you'd like us to do, suggestions, criticisms, um, any kind of promotional stuff or reviews you want us to do, like we had last week. Um, feel free. To Anything. Feel you free name to, it. Feel free to contact us, even here on YouTube on, under the the episode. We'd be more than happy to throw your topic into the show. And this week. Our topic comes from Twitter user at WillJitsu91. Hashtag fan question. Love the podcast. Very occasional comic book fan, so I haven't seen it myself. But have comics become as politicized as the rest of entertainment media? Fantastic episode, by the way. So thank you to WillJitsu91 out there. And... We will address your topic here, even though it's tough to. <laughs> it's something that's kind of tough to address sometimes, um, and the backlash potential is very huge, no matter what you do, or how rational you are, <laughs> and stuff like this. Um, first up, the the premise is not have comic books become politicized. It's have comic books become as politicized as the rest of entertainment media. So I think that's a clear distinction we need to make before we even jump into it. Comic books have always had kind of some kind of political thought to them, whether it was propaganda during the World War II, even into World War One, we had like, you know, soldier comics almost exclusively during those years where, you know, it's just some guy punching a kraut in the face, you know, and yeah, just all these different, you know, like kind of <laughs> going by books Adolf Hitler one but yeah, good <laughs> and navy books and stuff like that and in addition to your typical like you know Dick Tracy type you know murder mystery books or whatever ooh um, Dick Tracy but <clears throat> there's always been kind of that political slant element in comic books i mean you 
you really don't have to go much further than a few, um, you know, documentaries about the history of comic books. There's some really great ones that we'll probably do a review of before too long here. Um, but have they become as politicized as the rest of media? It's hard to say because the rest of media has become very, very politicized, largely because of the last election in the United States and kind of the yeah. e- even abroad with the kind of uh, Brexit issue in the UK and the kind of issues between China and Japan with the South China Sea and um, even North Korea finally attaining nuclear yeah, armaments. It's like all of these things kind of play into the overarching nature of artistic media. And it's, yeah, th- as you would expect, all of these things have become far more politicized. Right. Uh, w- one of the things that you'll notice is that uh, these comic books are written by people. And as is the case uh, many a time for any form of uh, written or graphic media, there are going to be artists who are prone to basically writing or drawing what they're seeing in the news. Yeah. And to an extent, uh, there is a way of doing that that uh, can be more than just reporting the news in your own way. Mm -hmm. Like, um, for instance... Uh, I'm always going to go back to the comics that got me into comics. X-Men. X-Men, like, those have been a set of books that have always been somewhat politically charged because of the the very nature of the premise. Uh, The premise being uh, it is about a group of people who are considered Different, born different, not normal in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. In this book, they exaggerate that form of being different yeah. and uh, have thus uh, made it so that in this book, we're going to have all of the people who are normal react to these different people as though they are disgusting aberrations, uh, lesser than, yeah. and thus enter the... Martin Luther King-esque character, Professor Charles Xavier, and the Malcolm-esque char- Malcolm X-esque character. God, that, that's another X. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Malcolm X-esque character, Magneto. Yeah. Uh, that, that level of uh, political uh, writing has always been there. Yeah. Uh, sometimes. I mean, you can even look to some of the most iconic stories on DC side too, like the Frank Miller epic, you know, Dark Knight Returns. Yeah. That that entire book is just a, an analogy for the Cold War and the Cold War forces and the Reagan administration. You know. Yeah. D- doing kind of backhanded things without any kind of reprimand, and Superman kind of represents the U.S. government. And Batman kind of represents, you know, a kind of vigilante-esque, you know, need for accountability, you know, for the people, you know, um, who can't naturally defend themselves, you know. And that's, you know, if you read into what that book is about and a lot of Frank Miller's works, it's a, a lot of it is just kind of a kind of criticism of U.S. government policy, particularly in the 80s. 
So, I mean, you really don't have to look that far to find examples of this in all sorts of comic media, whether right. it is like the social issues that X-Men kind of analogizes with its mutants yeah. uh, and the kind of dichotomy between Xavier and Magneto, as you stated, and then even the government forces that kind of create like Weapon X and try to, you know, exploit yeah. these people to their advantage. Not unlike in the United States, we had programs in the military where they took black soldiers and experimented on them. The you know? Tuskegee experiments. Yeah. For those of you looking to us for a history lesson. Yeah. And that's it's not the only example. You right. Know? Uh, now they're a little bit more fair. Now they experiment on everybody. <laughs> 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 Unless you're like a senator's kid or something. Uh, and right. Then you just get to sit stateside and have a good time. Right. Um, I, I'm but no senator's son, no. <laughs> but there's, there's examples of this stuff all, all over the place. And there's valid criticisms to be had. Um, and I think it's great that this kind of discourse is going on. That being said, I I would say that comics have actually maybe lightened up, especially this past year, on the whole political agenda drive and thing. I, there's a few exceptions, particularly in independent books. Like on Image, there's a book called um, Days of Hate, which oh, we picked yeah, up yeah, and yeah. read. Um, which has a very unique art style and has like the core of really good story aspects and the characters but the whole premise is just so ridiculous you know it's just the yes the complete like wet dream <laughs> of what some paranoid like ultra liberal person would think about trump being elected you know all the hell goes to fucking shit and all the white supremacists re remember th there's like what like a few hundred kkk members in the entire country of 350 million people you know Th are somehow very small but very loud minority yeah, but somehow their faction is somehow taken over the country in the span of like a year just because trump was elected and it's like that sort of like over the top ridiculousness yeah. uh, even with like dark fang dark oh, fang we yeah. thought was going to be kind of a fun lighthearted like vampire book and then it turned out to be this whole like eco-terrorism thing yeah about how using the crude oils destroying the world and blah 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 <laughs> it's just I yeah just, there, there's I'm, actually um Marvel did something like right after uh, going back to September 11th, 2001. Uh, right after that, a lot of their books were very much about uh, one, trying to unify the country and saying like th they had villains like Magneto, who was at, at the time was really not much better than a terrorist himself. No. <laughs> no. And they had characters like him showing up in the wreckage and saying, like, even I would never do something this awful. Wait. Lols. <laughs> Hold the fuck on. Let's flip a few pages back here. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, comics in one way or another... Yes, they have political roots, and nowadays uh, they, some of them still have a political slant to them. Uh, would I say, are they as political as other forms of entertainment media? Uh, that I'm going to say that that actually depends on, one, how subtle or how over 
the top or in your face with it, uh, other media is. Because lately, outside of channels that are specifically specifically centered around being political and showing political stuff all of the time, uh, I've seen it much less. Yeah. I I mean, I think... There's been kind of so much, and you can probably attribute this to Twitter. Um, yes. We discussed it in a, f- a few episodes ago, I think episode 25, somewhere around there, 25, yeah. 26. Um, we talked about this article where a few editors and former editors over at Marvel and some creators at Marvel and DC talked about how they had changed their stories actively in the middle of the process and watered down their books um, because they had gotten some Twitter feedback and they took it to heart, probably shouldn't have, but they did, and yeah. decided to just toss their story out, <laughs> you know. And again, that's a problem with the business model more than anything, but yeah, it's, um, uh, they just completely oh. threw their story away and ran away from the subject because they didn't want to offend one or two Twitter people, and they didn't want to take a chance on, you know, being culturally insensitive in one way or another, which that... I think that in that way, the comics community has become more politicized because there is this direct avenue via social media right. for which to assault your creators um, <laughs> if they do one thing you don't like and a single issue of a book. Um, right. And that way, I think it's become far more politicized and it really sucks because it this this stuff has always happened a little bit, but never to the extent that it is today. And I think creators either need to get a little bit more intestinal fortitude or they need to get off social media uh, yeah. when it comes to these books. Unless they change the business model entirely and just finish the book before <laughs> they start releasing it. Um, but Yes. Can we please stop having going back to something earlier in this channel or in this particular podcast? Stop putting things off. Stop <laughs> delaying everything. Yeah. All of this could oh be solved if you just contract it out, be like, here's an initial fee. This is what, what we're giving you to live on or whatever while you develop this book and everything else, and then we will give you a percentage of everything from the sales of this book, both the single-issue titles that we break into 12 issues or 16 issues or 8 issues, whatever, and then the volume sales. You will yeah. get a percentage yeah, like I'd all of that stuff will go to you. <laughs> Here's your commission. You and this artist go off in your own corner and just work on this book for like two months. Get it done. Get everything finished. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, people's probable reactions be damned. If you're gonna tell your story, tell your story. Yeah. So in that uh. way, yes, things have become far more politicized. But in terms of the books themselves, I think it's become far less politicized. I think it's been almost kind of babied. I I don't know what a good word for it is. Both DC, I mean, Marvel had a little bit of political foresight, as you would expect, since Marvel was a little bit better at addressing these sorts of things, whether yeah. it be in like vigilantism and the Punisher or social issues with the X-Men or, you know, issues of, you know, poverty and those sorts of, you know, personal relationship issues with Spider-Man. Like, all of this stuff is accountable. Um, And in recent years, they've done a lot of kind of 
political friendly things in order to get kind of pats on the backs and Twitter approval and free yeah. press buzz, like <laughs> replacing the mainline characters with a black version or a Muslim version or a female version um, or making a specific character newly gay or whatever the case may be. Not really to serve a story, but just to get some accolades and get some free press. Yeah, that was definitely an issue and i think it's kind of lightened up because they're trying to do this fresh start where they realized we did this for far too long we pressed the issue with too many characters that sell our books and now we're kind of seeing the aftershock of it and uh, i think now they're finally correcting course a little bit with this fresh start um, where they are still having these characters and diversifying their cast, which is great, but they're not doing it in a way that's going to just fuck all the classic <laughs> characters and give two big middle fingers to your fans of the past 70, 80 years. Um, right. With DC... It's not I've, like there's an easy remedy for that or anything. Like yeah, yeah. Making a <laughs> new character. Yeah, and I, I think DC has also had this a little bit, and I think the New Age of DC Heroes is another example of that kind of like accolade searching, even if it's kind of a ripoff. Yeah. Um, and but I think both companies have gone from like hitting hard hitting topics like, um, like protesting. I can't remember what book it is. I think it's an X Men spinoff book. But they had a, a a creator, I think the artist happened to be Muslim, and he put some, I'll put articles here for you on the YouTube channel so you can know what I'm referencing. But he put like a a, a verse in the Quran. Um, oh, and yeah, some yeah. of his artwork. And gold. Yeah, and the art, yeah. and the, you go to the verse, it's basically just like kill all the infidels. I and, have that issue. Wow, that's, <laughs> that's collectible, man. Don't, don't let that go. But like basically people were, saw that and... Like they realized what it meant, and <laughs> there's a huge backlash, which there should be. And Marvel had to fire him because he was, you know, putting in these like secret messages in his artwork to, that you know all non-Muslims need to be slaughtered and stuff. You know, it, was... it, it didn't help that uh, there's a panel in which Kitty Pride shows up, and they literally have. Uh, the part of the word jewelry that specifically says Jew Ugh. right over top her head. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, there's there was and that's at the most progressive like comic book <laughs> company out there right now, you know? Uh, yeah. Th- that was that was rough. That was a huge controversy. Um but I'd say like strictly politically, as far as like the president of the United States or Brexit and Britain and Europe and all these different kind of international politics and stuff. I'd say it's been far less politicized culturally, socially, uh, diversifying, uh, addressing like religious issues like that, the kind of slipping little secret <laughs> Muslim murder messages <laughs> in the back of the issues. Like, um, kind of sad. Uh, the guy was a good artist. He should, yeah. If he hadn't done something stupid like that, he would have been fine. He could have put any verses he, that weren't. He, <laughs> yeah, he literally know, soliciting the murder of people. Anything else? Yeah. Um, but he chose that route to go, and he felt that was the best avenue to spread his extremist message. So I was like, okay, <laughs> okay. My biggest question is specifically on that issue: if you're going to put that on anyone why are you putting that on colossus's shirt i don't know <laughs> i don't know like why would he wear that other you than you realize what russia has done 
Um, but uh, yeah, so in, yeah. in those ways, I think, yes, there's been a little bit of it, but it's been far less than other forms of media. Uh, and it's, but in contrast, I think there's also some criticism to be had about the books being babied down a lot, especially post the new 52, uh, for the DC comics, like everything became like babyfied because new 52 tried to like capitalize on the kind of dark grounded centric ideas that dc has been traditionally known for and i think in a lot of ways it was good um it made some missteps for sure but there was so many fucking books it's hard hard not to make a misstep or two um but i think they handled it well but then they just started babyfying things as like people were oh where's my red underpants for superman oh why aren't any of the dc comics fun like marvel like if you want to read marvel books read marvel books (laughs) don't complain that the dc books aren't marvel books you know (laughs) and i think that's primarily what happened and dc folded in because of this reactionary social media age and they just like babyfied everything and made it everything into like a stupid cartoon you know everything all the outfits are goofy and like cartoony and comical it's it's like the 50s again and like barbara gordon is probably the most obvious example of this i uh, yeah she suffers the most i love the gail simone new 52 batgirl where they brought back barbara gordon post-surgery they you know she used to be oracle but they found a way to you know, they fixed fix it. her back and she's getting back into the mantle. She's still doing like dealing with the physical therapy issues of like regaining her body and learning how to walk and fight and talk. And you know she's still the brilliant strategic uh, character that she's always been. Um, she has the dynamic with her father, of course. She has the dynamic with her mother who left her. Um, she has the dynamic with uh, Dick, obviously. Uh, up until Jeff Johns got his hand on him. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Leave Nightwing alone. <laughs> um, but she was awesome. Gil Simone wrote an awesome character. The art aesthetic was realistic, and she had an actual protective suit. Um, and then they just decided to cartoonify everybody and go just full socially friendly, uh, geopolitically friendly, a little bit left-leaning with everything, and everything became a baby-down, watered-down nonsense story where there's no struggle for any of the characters, and all the characters overcome everything without an issue. And like, we had the the bluebird come in, who was a female Nightwing, basically with a gun, <laughs> and then we had um, the signal recently. Or is that right? Yeah, signal, the who's signal. The the new black character for who's basically a yellow Batman, <laughs> and then obviously the Batman Inc. stuff was all cartoony to begin with, but they were were overboard cartoony uh, once DC started adjusting. So there's examples of this all over the place where it's had an effect, and there are kind of um, echoes yeah. of what's going on in the real yeah, world. Y- but yeah. you can definitely see the if you're not seeing the effects turn into uh, political uh, or politically charged comic books, you can definitely see the effects of having had politically charged comic books in the past and them wanting to lean a bit away from that. Yeah. And, like, I feel like comic books is one of the few mediums where you can have a modern, on-topic kind of political dynamic because it is so recent, you know, when you develop a TV show, uh, if you develop 
you know, obviously not a like a nightly show or something, but right. when you develop a TV show, you know, y- that episode is not going to premiere for m- months, if not a year or something, you know? Yeah. And so you're kind of behind the times when it comes to these kind of political topics and diversity topics and cultural norm topics. Um, as same with movies and even music, like th- often music just comes out, you know, way after the what it wants to talk about was initially started you know whether it's protests or you know uh elections or what wars whatever have you you know but comics are one of those few mediums due to their terrible business model mind you where they do kind of have the opportunity to jump right in you know without any kind of hindsight 2020 correction going on and Um, just be immediately like a book that takes a stance yeah and i don't i don't begrudge anybody including like the days of hate creator like i don't begrudge anybody for taking a chance because that's what the medium's for it's for taking a chance you know yeah and you create these monthly monthly if it works out great if it doesn't work out you know so be it but i think it uh, comic books are one of the few mediums that has the volume of titles and the quick turnout to accurately address kind of the political scape or the cultural landscape as it is right now and becomes kind of like a time capsule that we've talked about before yeah um can be a reflection of the time exactly and you look back to comics in the 80s everything's kind of like over the top and everything's about big government and america versus (laughs) russia and like (laughs) that's what the books reflect and it's reflective of the times and the 90s are more like carefree kind of loose and like everybody's big and ultra muscled and (laughs) just uh, there's everybody's a different color for some reason and you know (laughs) like all the goofy crazy stuff is happening but then like it's all about standing out and being yourself yeah and there's some like really creative unique ideas as opposed to just russia versus u.s for everything you know (laughs) so you can see that kind of dichotomy from the 80s into the 90s if you go back into the 70s everything's like an espionage thing everything wants to be a spy book of some sort you know thank you cold war because of the cold war exactly (laughs) and we because we have this international spying thing going on we you know there's stuff about like the fuel crisis and you know like everything is rotating around this kind of you know um espionage slash you know uh resource heavy storylines um and then you bleed into the 60s where a lot of stuff is about like you know the changing times protests um uh, new diverse characters and people coming up and rising up and empowering themselves you know uh breaking free from the kind of goofy era of the 50s where everything was watered down and super like comically terrible (laughs) and you know everything was great chum you know (laughs) all you need is america and a white sack of legs like just like every everything was goofy and horrible but it reflects the times you know yeah the overwhelming influence of the time and i think even the 2000s kind of reflect the kind of post 9-11 era where everybody's concerned about terrorism and um everybody's worried about small pockets of you know domestic issues where you have these small pockets of domestic terrorists and international terrorists and you have you know this kind of more dark and cynical look at the world and i think the 2010s have kind of lifted away from that a little bit and everything's kind of becoming that kind of like 90s ish kind of like loose goofy 
uh, right. era again. It's where kind of a return to that. But we have all the kind of social, like concerns going on and so we have like the trans villain in the Batgirl book that didn't work out so well unfortunately oh <laughs> um Damn. and then we had like the diversified versions of classic characters and like even though it, it's not to my taste and i think it's blatantly just like a an excuse for free press and free advertisement and accolades and pats on the back yeah uh, instead of good storytelling uh which is what i would like to see um, I don't begrudge them for going for it because it's it's reflective of the time. It's reflective of the stories that want to be told right it, now. There's always going to be an element of risk. Yeah. So I, you know, in that those terms, I don't begrudge anybody for p- pursuing a political kind of angle to their books or the storytelling or the characters, as long as it makes sense. Yeah. You know, I don't want to see a big story about how colossus is like the most american fucking guy ever and you know <laughs> you know he <laughs> i don't want to see something s- silly like that that just doesn't make sense you know uh, uh or you know secret empire can we just maybe skip that completely and oh don't you want happened? captain a nazi no he's your favorite <laughs> i do not want a book that's conclusion was to take this captain america who was secretly a nazi and then beat him up with another Captain America. <laughs> Guys. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh. I think I think they're... Hypothetically speaking, if I was a creator right now, there are things I would want to write about. The biggest thing is free speech. Yes. Right now. Free speech is the biggest thing under assault. If you look... You, you don't even have to look that far for us. You look north of the border to Canada... And people are literally getting arrested and thrown in jail because they want to say something that is not politically correct at the moment or something. Uh, yes, like, and Britain, the uh, the same thing's happening. Yeah. So you, you don't have to look that far to see this kind of uh, overwhelming wash of uh, kind of censorship. And thankfully in the United States we have the First Amendment to protect us. But sometimes the political system and the kind of judicial system doesn't do people favors in that regard. You know, um, you could sit in prison for 10 years waiting for the Supreme Court to overturn whatever ruling that your local government decided to put against you. You know, yeah. Um, so it's, it's very divisive. And at the moment, it seems to be kind of the left, the far left wings, you know, trying to censor people from saying anything that could potentially be too hurtful or not using the proper pronouns for your gender or what these sorts of silly, nonsensical things. It's but language policing, but it's not something that's new uh, to the right, the far right of our country either. Because they've also, usually for kind of religious reasons, you know, kind of religious purity reasons, you know, you can't talk about this or that, you know, not so much unlike the whole like Muslim controversy where you can't talk about Muhammad, you can't draw Muhammad, what's wrong with you? We'll (laughs) fucking cut off your head, you dits. (laughs) So, like, wait, hold on. Like, that's always going to be the response that I have to, um, wait, you're saying that I can't do that? Uh no, this is America. Freedom <laughs> of speech. But I'm take away all of my rights except for that one and I will through that one eventually get all my rights back. Yeah. And like I I think those are the the big issues that need to be addressed in comics and all of media right now is the freedom 
of speech, the freedom of expression, the freedom to protest, you know? Um, yeah. I don't like seeing these fucking police fucking beating the shit out of people because they went and protested with a sign or something at their city's capital. That's bullshit. That is breaking the First Amendment. Right. Blatantly. Uh, blatantly and belligerently. Um, for all to see, nonetheless. And I think that's just as wrong as, you know, trying to censor some bigot who wants to shout from his soapbox, you know? Like, right. if he wants to shout from his soapbox and he's an American citizen in this country, let him, he's allowed to sh- shout is, from his soapbox. That is literally if he wants to his, go to some, his right yeah. in this country. If some university wants to allow him onto their campus to have some debate, it's not the local, you know, police force's job to go and stop him from doing so he's gonna talk the best thing you can do to a bigot is ignore them like uh, that's that's my mantra if you censor them it's gonna lead you down a slippery slope where you're censoring anybody that the kind of louder groups in our society deem you know not tolerable and you're seeing that in canada you're seeing that in great britain and you know to me, that's no different than a you know dictatorship or a communist nation. You know, not allowing people to search certain things on the internet or say certain things in their newspapers without disappearing. You know, it's the same thing. Right. It's just the escalation of the fact. You know, yeah. and I think that's the most important thing in our current cultural and political climate. I don't know if you agree, but to me, the freedom of speech and expression and art is critically important. I think comic books are the biggest example of something that needs to be protected yeah that that is actually quite literally i think the the well not that i think i know this to be a fact uh the only reason why we do have laws and elections and all that is because uh, the founding fathers of this country saw fit to, before listing anything in this newly established Bill of Rights that they had back in 1776, yeah. was the freedom of speech, of freedom of public assembly, freedom of... There, there are a few other parts to that First Amendment, but it is all about being freedom able to of religion, freedom yeah. of expression, freedom of yeah. belief. You know, as long as yeah. you are not harming others directly, like, right? You are allowed to do <laughs> and you, say and believe what you want, right? That is literally the foundation upon which the Bill of Rights was settled. Yeah. It was like if it wasn't for the necessity of the freedom to say what it is is on your mind or to mm-hmm. be a potentially dissenting voice, then we would still be a part of the British Empire. Yeah. And um if I understand there are valid criticisms of things, you know, uh, people bring up the Second Amendment as the most frequent one like oh they didn't have you know automatic weapons you know fully automatic weapons like we have today obviously um yes there were they would like, have wanted them there are so yeah <laughs> there are some like remote like gatling gun prototypes and stuff that were around but they you know that wasn't a widespread thing or an easily storable uh, thing oh um, yeah there are there were prototypes back then that uh just did not work yeah so, so that 
the, say what you want about that amendment. Uh, that is that is amendment number two for one good reason. Yeah. And that's because we didn't argue our way into having our own country. Yeah. <laughs> and there's there's arguments to be made about the Electoral College, you know, back in the 1700s when the system was built and created um, and very much established. Most of the people in the country lived in in the country they did not live in cities is about 2080 and now that that ratio is flipped and so before the cities were heavily dependent on the rural areas but with the electoral college they had a little bit of a voice so they didn't get completely crushed by rural interests and now we have the opposite thing going on today where we have the rural interests kind of you know, trying not to be crushed by the urban interests, but because of the Electoral College, they have far more power than they should. Uh, the biggest example being the popular votes, where right. George W. Bush lost the popular vote to Al Gore, yet... And he was still made the President of the United States. Because of a Florida controversy, right. and barely winning the Electoral College. The most recent election with president trump trump lost the popular vote the majority of american voters that went to the polls voted voted for, for Hi- hillary clinton, clinton. Yeah. or somebody else president trump did not win the popular vote but because of our electoral college and the disproportionate amount of rural influence we have gained uh he won the electoral college by quite a bit and that's a, a big reflection of the issues of gerrymandering which are only an issue with the electoral college and um, issues with the kind of dynamic where we've gone from having a minority urban population to a majority urban population, which is not what the forefathers intended when they created the electoral college. So there, there are very, very good arguments to be made in, you know, for me, I, I don't, I feel like we need a runoff vote because our version of democracy was a very experimental one and yes, failed. It, was. it failed the first time, which is why <laughs> we had the Articles of Confederation and had to throw them out and start anew illegally, mind you. <laughs> our yeah. politicians did this illegally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, about that. Uh, uh, fun fact, uh, in publications that were showing up way back when, uh, even those... Uh, had artists mm-hmm. that were making their own political comic strips. Yes, frequently and famously. Yeah. You, know, you open up any history book and see them. So oh, yeah. Arts and comics in general are very, very important and critical to not only encapsulating what's going on in the current era, but also to kind of give feedback to the populace, give voice to the populace of what might need readjusted and what might need corrected, what you know shouldn't be corrected and what doesn't need to be overemphasized you know and, yeah, and like i how can we maybe exaggerate an image so as to maybe provoke a thought yeah about something happening and i mean there's even things that have been going on since you know 2001 2002 that we need to address as a population here in the united states like the patriot act yeah. the patriot act tr- tramples all over uh the amendment you know saving us from illegal search and seizure the patriot act says fuck you it's an emergency so we're gonna do what we fucking want if you read the patriot act it basically stomps all over the bill of rights yeah it's a it's a thing that is in law 
until the United States says, eh, whatever. But it's never going to be changed in the current situation because no one's looking at it anymore. It's been 20 years. Um, it, there are things that are far more important that I think need to be addressed than using the correct pronouns and stuff like that. You know, there are things like that are crucial. T- stamping or stomping all over the Constitution? Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's stuff like um, um, the Internet, the fight over the Internet. It's There's so many issues that are far more important, far more critically involved. You know, you have your issues of the United States constantly sticking its nose in other countries. You have the issues of Russia constantly sticking its nose in other countries and also invading another country in the form of Crimea. Yeah, Um, actively. Uh, and unashamedly, oh, um, you have the issues with nuclear proliferation where, you know, you're never going to stop the scientific progress of time in every country. And doing so might be a civil rights issue to begin with, you know? Yeah. Um, it's like preventing it, other countries from developing. So the real c- question is, how do we s- stop the interests of countries from developing these things you know whether it be trade agreements or whatever else what can, how can you incentivize preventing these things from happening and protecting everybody from the use of these munitions like in the united states we have kind of the uh anti-ballistic missile systems everywhere which russia has hated and now <laughs> now they're advertising that they have this sub submarine version that goes underwater and then pops up and hits you from under the shore so you can't shoot it down like <laughs> it's just an escalation of nonsense and force it, uh, yes. these are things that need to be addressed both uh in real life politics and in the general political discussion and protest uh and political discourse but also need to be addressed in our art and i feel like we're overemphasizing things that don't actually matter in the form of small factions of bigots that number probably in the hundreds um, in the country. Small, what they call microtransgressions, stuff like that. Censorship of people's language because you don't like a pronoun or you don't like a word uh, or you think something is too insensitive, you know. Uh, Picking apart every little thing, you know, that you can. It's just, there are examples everywhere um, where we're, I think, as a community, overemphasizing the wrong things. We have a crippling amount of debt in this country, trillions and trillions of dollars, and the new budget that just got signed by a conservative Congress up to the is, uh, debt ceiling is going to increase the debt by yeah. another $2 trillion. That, yeah. that is outrageous. That is unsustainable. You have the medical issues in this country where nobody can afford a simple hospital visit because of the amount it costs and how much... You know, a privately held medical sector is just not functional in the modern day world with 350 million people. Um, there are very important questions that need to be addressed and asked, you know, with uh, pollution. That's a big one. You know, with all the fracking everywhere, there's all these sinkholes opening everywhere and putting Ooh. different kind of heavy metals in our deep system waterways, you know, and that we're told are going to be sealed off properly. But. Have you looked at BP? <laughs> like, uh, yeah, they don't about have that. they don't have the best history with that sort of thing. So, th- there are very serious and important questions that need to be addressed. Education: What are we going to do with all of these robots consistently taking more and more of our work, and more and more of our work being shipped overseas because they're more affordable labor? Um, right. There's 
There's, there's self-driving cars and trucks coming up. Like a self-driving that is a hu- car killed someone. That is a huge industry that is about to be overtaken. Taxi services, truck drivers, all these things are going to be taken over by automated systems before too long. Even like the light train systems, you know, that Elon Musk is developing everywhere. Yeah. Like, these are very important questions. We are going to have a huge population that cannot work because there is nothing to work for. Right. We're going to have a far too educated and underskilled population for the needs of the future, and that's a huge problem. Um, these are questions that need to be addressed. I don't think, you know, what the proper way to, you know, address someone's, you know, pronoun <laughs> is that important in the scheme of things. Right. You, you just make a choice whether to be a a kind person be like what would you like me to call you and they say this and you're like all right no problem or you can be a dick about it doesn't matter in the scheme of the world and the country and and your neighbors it's not gonna fucking matter no um there are far more important important things the opioid crisis like yes all over the midwest like obesity (laughs) uh just examples everywhere of things that do need to be addressed and do need to be talked about in comics and you know instead of maybe glorifying people who are obese maybe instead of doing that we should talk about solutions uh, because it is a health issue it is not a good thing right it it is like maybe it's not something to aspire to addressing nutrition and the gross lack of education on that subject i mean being obese i mean some people do have you know genetic issues or whatever the case would be may be but being obese shaves about two or three decades off your lifetime. And not only does that cripple you with medical costs and medical care and upkeep and maintenance and food costs, but it also uh, troubles any kind of children you may have, you know, who have to suffer through it and watching you just decay and die slowly from things like heart disease and um, artery and vein damage and brain damage. Like there are just all sorts of things that, you know, cripple families, and especially in a country that has terrible <laughs> medical debt everywhere. Yeah, I feel like there's so many more important things to address, and I wish they would be addressed. And if I was a creator, I absolutely would address. Um, but I think that's a good place to leave it. What do you think? Long story short, comics could always get more political. And are they... As political as the current uh, other forms of media out there, uh, depends on what you watch. <laughs> yeah, obviously, if you watch fucking Fox News or CNN <laughs> or you know MSNBC all day long, you're going to get a very different picture yes. of the status quo. If I had one recommendation to any person listening, don't watch those shows. Don't watch those channels. Those are literally classified as entertainment officially with the FCC. Yeah, they're entertainment channels. They're there to speak to an echo chamber and entertain you and nothing else. They're not there to educate you. They're not there to help you. They're not even a little bit. They're there to reassure you that your personal beliefs are correct no matter what. Um, Right. So I would go to public sources, uh, nonprofit sources. NPR is a great source. BBC is a great source do not (laughs) do not use these 
ridiculous stations to educate yourself or justify your opinions. Right. That's no, re- look into things yourself. There are studies that are publicly available everywhere. <laughs> like right. There yeah. are there are events that are publicly available everywhere. You do not need to rely on these kind of couch popcorn entertainment channels to much like your diet, your education should also come balanced. <laughs> <laughs> and when I say balanced, I don't mean watch and MSNBC and Fox. It's <laughs> not what I mean. That's yeah, like I'm no. going to smoke cigarettes and drink liquor all day. <laughs> like no, no, they're both bad for you. Stop. Yeah, th- those Just are both stop. bad. Just stop. But um, yeah, I think that's a great long topic to end on. Um, yeah. apologize that the this episode this week is a little bit shorter than usual but hey you don't have to sit through a three-hour podcast um hooray it'll be longer <laughs> next week because we'll actually have read more comics and probably make up some comics for this week oh um, yeah if you want to write into us and uh give us a topic be sure to check out our twitter at htb vids our facebook at facebook.com forward slash hit the books here down in the comments on youtube you know, all you have to do is hit like and subscribe to stay with us um or you can email us at hitthebooksvids, V-I-D-S, all one word, at gmail.com. And we've launched a Patreon a few weeks ago. Uh, if you would be so kind as to consider uh, contributing to the show and help us sustain things, because there are monthly costs that do incur put us back a little bit. Yeah. Um, we do this as a passion project, but it would be nice if we didn't have to spend so much money to do it. Um, you can check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash hit the books, all one word. I'll put it here on the screen on our YouTube channel. Remember, you can catch us on Stitcher, on iTunes, on YouTube, uh, maybe SoundCloud soon, maybe Vimeo soon, but I'm still working out like what they demand of you. Some of them demand like subscriptions from the creators, which would just be more costs that we can't sustain. Right. So, uh, until we get a little bit bigger, I don't think those ones are going to be touched too much. Um, uh, if you like what you hear, be sure to hit like and subscribe, especially the subscribe button there. It, we're trying to get that vanity URL, but you can't do it until you have a certain number of subscribers. And that would really go a long way to helping us advertise the show and promote it and grow the community a little bit more. Um, we have the different tiers on Patreon if you want to help us out there. So be sure to check those out. Uh, we have a lot more content in the chamber for you. It's just a matter of time, really. Oh, yeah. I think I've covered everything. Have I covered all the bases? Uh, first, second, third, let's uh, slide on home. <laughs> <laughs> I want to thank you all once again for sticking with us. I'm your host, Chris Holcomb. And I'm Emery Saunders. And this is Bob. Thank you for watching. See you next week. On Hit the Books. <laughs>